1: Hello and welcome to a- another episode of Syrupcast. My name is Daniel Bader, and as always, I am joined by Douglas Soltis, whose uh, position in his apartment has changed. Since the last time we've spoken, uh, behind him is a beautiful bookshelf. I mean, like I Matthew
0: McConaughey at that the end of that space movie.
1: Yes, just what? Just tra- in just his pod.
0: Trapped in the pod. Is he
1: trapped in a pod?
0: We have to go back. Is go that back the R. R Kelly of
1: podcasts? Um, wait, which which Matthew McConaughey movie? The Are s- you talking about Interstellar? Inter-
0: interstellar, yeah.
1: Oh. Okay. Cause he was uh, he's he's been in oh wait no I was thinking of Matt Damon, he's been in two two movies Interstellar he, Matt Damon and was also in Interstellar yeah 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 but uh, schmoiler alert uh, Martian was the better
0: movie. I think I didn't see it but hey fifty fifty survival rate in outer space Matt Damon cool so um, we've been
1: we've been gone a while let's uh, recap everybody on what's happened. Uh, Kyle there was, I was a,
0: gonna be player of the month. That's for sure. Ah, uh,
1: yes. Uh, Russell Westbrook,
0: maybe. Uh, they or, do an East East Coast and West Coast.
1: Oh, okay. So then, probably. Um. I don't know. There's been a few players doing really well. Um, didn't uh, Didn't. Um, what's his name? LeBron just passed Reggie Miller on the all-time s- scoring list last night. During the Raptors game that we beat them in?
0: Uh maybe. He passed a I few I think he did. He passed a few people. I think he's only uh he's one of three players to be in the top like twenty-five in points and assists. Yeah. It's like him, Oscar Robertson, and uh I don't know who the third person was.
1: I wanna say Carl Malone or John Stockton. One of the one of the jazz. Oh no, John Stockton didn't hit that much.
0: He wasn't a he wasn't he wasn't a pointy dude, but yeah, it no. was like uh I want to say magic. I was actually surprised it wasn't magic wasn't in the top 3. Maybe it was just Jordan. Maybe it was like Jordan, Oscar Robertson and
1: Oh, I mean the the, the fa- like this has been a very interesting season so far. Um I mean just based on the fact that the Warriors have gone unbeaten for 16 games, Oof. Steph Curry is playing Oof. like a beast. He's playing better than he was at the end of last season. Yes. And he was playing probably one of the best um, I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm not like, I, I, I don't think I'm like you in the sense that I, I follow bla- basketball religiously or, and I haven't done it for a long time. I've sort of only gotten into it in the last couple of years. Um, but would you say that Steph Curry has the potential to be one of the best players of all
0: time? Oh, most certainly. I think he's, I think he's demonstrated. I think there's literally no player when I look at him, That I've ever seen play like that. Other than like, I see one component in Steve Nash and then everything else is just like. It's like Steve Nash moving around. His dad's stroke only better. And then a bunch of other things that no players like the New York Times just wrote a piece comparing him to a ballerina. In terms of body control this week. Like that's 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 where we're at with this. Like they're just like what? (laughs) Like not only like are you historically great as a as a sportsy person, but you're doing stuff like other supreme athletic talents. So
1: yeah, I mean it's interesting. The the amount of athleticism that uh, that goes into um, being a point guard in the NBA is you know beyond reproach on its own. But being able to control. An entire court um, being able to see and anticipate where your teammates are going to be. I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's got, you know, the probably the best starting five in the last five or ten years.
0: Well, there uh, historically, his San great Antonio team.
1: certainly had a had a you know rivaled the 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 Warriors starting lineup uh, three or four years ago. But I mean, just just the improvement seen in guys like um, like Green. And Iguodala, um, uh, well, Iguadala is not new, but uh, who's but Curry,
0: the other guy? Curry is, uh, as as Zach Lowe says, is the straw that stirs the drink. He's the the glitch in the matrix.
1: He's the glitch in the matrix. Yeah, that's that's I, I how like that. that's
0: how Zach Low described. Shout out Zach Lowe. Married to a nice lady from Toronto. Who? I don't know. I just know she's from Toronto. What Steph Curry?
1: Or no, Zach no, Lowe. Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe. <laughs> oh, who is Steph Curry married to?
0: Uh, Mrs. Curry. I'm not sure.
1: Anyway, oh, Clay Thompson. I forgot about Clay Thompson. And Harrison Barnes. Oh, that's just oh, it's so such a good lineup. Oh my goodness. Anyway, let's probably let's probably talk about tech. Um, okay,
0: if we want if we want to make this a tech podcast, all of a sudden, <clears throat> sure.
1: Well, the last time we talked, uh, we were in the midst of uh, the World Series. Oh. Sorry, no, it was before the World Series. We were actually talking about the Jays. The Jays were still in it. Um, and I don't know. I mean, there were, there were some highs and some, and some awesome lows. But I just want to give a shout out to um, Jose Delgato. Oh, my God, Jose Delgato. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you are the least sportsy sports. You're like no. half sports
1: i'm 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 the right half i'm the i'm the half full sports um jose Bautista who wrote in the players Tribune about his um his awesome oh the bat and, flip. And, uh very memorable bat flip and he actually linked to a, an article that mobile syrup wrote about the game five stats uh, that were the highest ever seen on Sportsnet. It was something ridiculous.
0: Yeah, like one fifth of Canada was watching that game, or
1: something. Yeah, it was incredible. For I mean, for for a a channel that's not standard on every sports package or every uh, television package, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty fantastic. Um, so okay, so the Jays lost. The Raptors are are doing well. Um, and then a bunch and,
0: of a bunch of things came out. A bunch of tech companies released tech.
1: Yeah, and uh I, I think there was a big pad. Um that I I I can't really remember what the name Pro um, ProPad. I, I think it's yeah, the the propane pad or something like that. Uh, but so since the last time we talked, we we sort of everything that was announced at the time has been released. The propane pad is 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 available with, with its um, with its Apple Pencil.
0: The privacy's out. Uh,
1: your privilege has been checked, and uh, the Nexi have have come come and gone. So let's let's talk about the privilege. Uh, BlackBerry released the BlackBerry Priv in uh, I believe late October, and. So far, uh it's been a success, I would say, right? You you know, you were telling me about a friend of ours who was at a, a carrier store and while he was there talking about some other things, four people came in and bought Blackberry Pribs.
0: Yeah, like while while he was there, just this moving the units. Now, that's a caveat of like one store and a very you know, uh, with great emphasis, a Canadian store. But it seems like the interest around this phone while the noise around this phone wasn't bigger than say like the classic was because it it didn't have that that name that harkened back to like the heritage of blackberry and has a much more ridiculous name and marketing campaign it seems that the interest around the phone was a lot higher obviously just because it's an android phone right albeit uh and i think you talked about this a pretty expensive android phone
1: yeah i mean there the interest around the priv has been incredible and that's in no small part due to the fact that it it is probably the most interesting BlackBerry, uh, most interesting BlackBerry to be released in the last couple of years, but one of the most interesting Android phones in general to be released in 2015. So, you know, when you look at it, this is a phone that only BlackBerry could have built, and uh, they really rode the wave of, of, you know, leaks and teasers and things like that up until its release. And for all of their marketing foibles I think they did fairly well with with the actual release itself you know they've they uh they got enough devices into people's hands but they've also held back inventory to to create an artificial demand um, they've really pushed on you know they've done really well in the past with celebrities and they've done that again so you know they pushed this into Kim Kardashian's hands um and I think Drake I know Obama got one. so I was, there... I, was
0: watching closely, I was watching Drake closely at the game last night, uh, well, while the game was on, and I was trying to I think he was using a Blackberry, but I wasn't sure which phone it was, just trying to detect like while he was texting on the sidelines. but
1: uh... I can't imagine he wouldn't be using a priv if he had a phone to use from BlackBerry.:
0: Yeah, he gets a lot of things though, but uh, I think he was you know previously he was using like an, an older iPhone. Uh, Got a bunch of things, but yeah, so like, I don't know, it's, but let's get into the, like the meat of it, because, you know, every time BlackBerry pulls out a, a major release, like, you know, the, this is definitely the most interesting phone since the last interesting phone, they released the Passport for a couple different reasons, obviously Android, but then also, you know, a form factor and a user interface that we haven't seen since BlackBerry 7 um, like legitimately,
1: and, and the torch, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The torch um, was. I like, so really interesting. I'm thinking you know?
0: the the torch that was like Blackberry six. I think the Blackberry seven one didn't even have a. Oh no, maybe I'm getting that wrong. There was a bla- there was a Blackberry seven torch. Yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a
1: Blackberry seven torch. They, were,
0: they, they just called all the they t- called the the full touchscreen one a torch as well because the the storm name was. Uh, a tire fire of uh brand sentiment
1: well there were two generations of torches yeah and the second one was a far better product but i think that this um you know what 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 blackberry's strategy with this was how do we create an android phone that has immediate uh immediate potential with our loyal customer base mm-hmm. um so that just clearly, doesn't look
0: like another android phone right
1: but it it couldn't look like another android phone and and that would have been something but it needed to look like a blackberry and this does it has a very distinctive design i think it's got um i think it's got something of a of a beautiful um industrial design it has the the slider mechanism is remarkable in 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 its smoothness And overall, they've done a really good job fitting that keyboard underneath the screen given the thickness constraints they had with it. This is by far the thinnest keyboard they've ever built. And it's not a great keyboard. It's actually, when you compare it to the Classic or the Passport or even the older bolds that were narrower, this is not a great keyboard. The travel and the keys isn't perfect uh, the the height of the keyboard is 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 limiting. So, you know, you, your your thumbs kind of. I mean, I've got fat thumbs, but your thumbs always hit the top of the of that ledge where the the slider mechanism ends. And that's probably just because they didn't want the phone to be unusably tall when the when the screen was up. But overall, they did a fantastic job within the constraints of a five and a you know five point two inch smartphone or whatever it is five point four.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've played with it a little bit, right? Yeah. But like I, so I would say that is probably like the most awkward device to hold. It is more awkward than the passport for me to hold as a device. Um, it's, it's more awkward to hold than the original torch.
1: Awkward. How? Like when you're, when the, when the keyboard is open, you mean?
0: Yes. Well, but even then the waterfall edge and then the sharp, it doesn't feel good in the hand. It's, it's, too wide for me um now i'm not a i'm not a phablet dude so like take that caveat um but i just mm. yeah i i
1: i don't know i i disagree there I, i think that i've been using bigger phones almost exclusively since the note 5 came out earlier in the summer so I would say that I haven't gone back to using a phone under five and a half inches. Uh, So the note that the uh, the Priv actually feels small to me and it it feels really usable in one hand. And I don't think you need the keyboard. That's that's one of the benefits of this phone. The Android keyboard that they've developed is quite good on its own. So uh, you can use the keyboard as a trackpad or a keyboard itself. Like BlackBerry's done a great job adapting the native Android mouse um, interface. So there's like an actual mouse uh, API that was released years ago. Like there's a framework Mm -hmm. that developers can use to tap into uh, when a mouse and keyboard are connected via Bluetooth to the uh, Android operating system. And they've tapped into that with the keyboard to allow you to use it as a trackpad. It doesn't always work really well, some apps uh, invert the the scrolling direction so naturally you scroll down by swiping up on the trackpad but some some apps invert that so the Facebook mm-hmm. app for instance you actually have to swipe down to scroll down which is a little bit disconcerting so there's no consistency there and that's because developers do didn't really anticipate this being a popular yeah, use it's case because
0: it's a kludge it's 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 you know now now blackberry has entered fully the problem that every other android oem has which is when they try to innovate on top of the core platform <laughs> in not owning the platform uh there's consistency issues right and i think you know it's so freaking weird that whenever blackberry releases a smartphone we end up talking about the hardware, the keys, when probably the more interesting thing about this phone is the software. Not only what BlackBerry has done to keep their security message, but then in the fact that this is uh, basically a stock Android device that has BlackBerry's core apps kind of like plugged into it that you can kind of check on or check off. Um, So I'm just wondering, like, having used those on both blackberry 10 and now on android does that experience transfer because i know some people were having like issues with speed and reliability like like the hub the hub isn't really hubbing the way it should on blackberry 10
1: well they they can't make the hub hub the same way on on an android they don't have access to the underlying operating system they can't force the OS to recognize the hub as a central repository for all of your Mm -hmm. emails and texts and incoming notifications. But what Android allows developers to do is build on top of its native notification framework. But when you sign in for the first time to the hub, it doesn't automatically disable incoming emails from other apps. So what people will likely notice is they'll get dual notifications They'll get hub notifications for their email and they'll get Gmail notifications for their email. And for a lot of people, it's going to be very confusing and the easiest way to do that is just to disable the hub, not disable gmail. So and, so is
0: is the best is the best priv experience the one where it's the least Blackberry where it's just uh, kind of a stock Android with a keyboard? No, I, I think the
1: hubs actually a really good op- a really good option for most people. The problem is that not enough apps tie into it, so you get a great email experience, you get a decent SMS experience, but when you get an incoming SMS, it actually kicks you to your to your native SMS client to reply, so you're bouncing back and forth. Yeah, um, but so but to so that,
0: so that point though, but that's not like a support flaw; that's a design flaw because going in, BlackBerry knows it's going to be like that, right? And I and I know that. You know, and I don't think we've heard anything about it since the announcement, but BlackBerry announced their like enterprise portfolio suite. Like, you know, all Android devices will eventually be able to run all the, the BlackBerry core uh, applications. But like. it's it just the phone just seems like a giant camel to me? With, and I, I, I mean, don't want to use I don't you know, there, it's like a lot of it's a lot of compromises and half measures and things that don't work like you know we talked about did i actually ever end up writing that but just the idea that like blackberry should be the next uh and maybe this could be the transfer or the transition the next nexus maker because then like blackberry could work with android and like really go core no you didn't write
1: about it but we talked about it on the on a podcast um, and I, I, I bet you a hundred dollars that it wouldn't be the next, or I, I bet you that it would never be a, a Nexus maker. Um, and we'll see if, if I'm right about it, but what I will say is that BlackBerry has used Android relatively well without, without ruining what makes stock Android enjoyable to use. Mm-hmm. Um. But I reviewed this after I reviewed the Nexus 6P, and I talked to a lot of security experts. And what I'll say is that the in, the the software additions that BlackBerry brings to the table are not remarkable in any way. They are a decent calendar, a decent contact app, a decent email hub. A, you know, it's it, it has a task manager. The camera app's okay. Like, there's nothing... About the priv that makes from the from a software perspective that makes it stand out, and after well using except for the, the 6P, security right, but that's not even true either because the Nexus 6P is built on Marshmallow, which has some serious user level hardening when it comes to protection against vulnerabilities. Uh, it it has a uh, a framework in place that allows Google to update the core operating system uh with security patches every month mm-hmm. so blackberry coming out and saying that they've hardened android in a number of ways and i have a list here they are not unique anymore yeah. well then samsung's also, done you know, similar things
0: blackberry even uh, came out and said that it, it was you know the reason why they waited so long to release an android device which you know grain just grains of salt flowing into my mouth right now um is because it wasn't until Lollipop that they had the hooks to get into more, of a not like boot level access, but but some sort of at least check there to see if the device had been compromised. Um, right. That that you know, I think has been Android has been slowly opening up their security because they made security, uh, I guess, a significant uh, priority in the past year and a half two years right so
1: what blackberry says which is i'm assuming accurate is that they've made improvements Mm -hmm. to places that neither google nor the core linux kernel have focused on so google's kind of user space slash boot sequence Mm -hmm. um they they've added elements to it that Google doesn't consider a priority, but at the end of the day, we're still going to wait six months or so for the Priv to get marshmallow. Yeah.
0: And but, even but, if it's. But uh, BlackBerry is committed to matching like the with the monthly the security, security patches, report, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. But there are, and I, you know, neither of us are security experts, and I'm going to get you know the the guy who reviews our podcast. Love you, Dan. He uh he's oh, going to say we should a have a
0: podcast that you were on that wasn't even our podcast which is the best True story. True story. Um
1: but what I what I will say is that uh, you know, you know it would be nice to get a security expert on the pod, but I did speak to one uh f- before my review from a Toronto-based uh, security company and what he said was that a lot of the um there's a lot of signs within the hardware and within the kernel that's, that BlackBerry intended to make more changes, more security changes to the priv than they actually did. And there are intimations that down the road with Marshmallow, they will harden Android the way that they initially promised. Mm. But right now, as the priv stands, it's a, it's an entire... Year behind the user space improvements to Android because it runs Lollipop and not Marshmallow, and the actual Linux hardening are uh, is not as significant as BlackBerry claims.
0: Yeah, but don't talk to me about year behind on Android when most people don't have Lollipop anyway. Like you're you're right. No, no. Of, no. Like, well, you know.
1: you're absolutely right. So most people buying this are ahead of the game. But what I say and I, what I've continued to say and this will help us transition is that the Nexus is the best product that you can buy right now if you want an Android phone. And a year ago that wasn't true. The 6 the Nexus 6 was a bloated mess that ran a buggy operating system with a terrible camera. And this year the Nexus 6P is probably my favorite Android device ever. And they've cleaned up a lot of the problems both on the hardware and software side, and it makes so it makes uh, suggesting buying any other Android phone, not just a Priv, considerably harder. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'll say to that. The Priv is a great phone. It's got a lot of things going for it, and is if it you want a, the is the it keyboard, actually a
0: great phone or is it just a good phone? No, it is
1: a great phone. It's got a good. It's got a. You know, it's got a.
0: Make the case for me spending the money on a Priv over, say, a, a Moto phone. No, and I can't do that. I mean, that's the thing. The only
1: reason to buy a Priv right now is if your company wants you to have a BlackBerry product in its portfolio f- because it wants there to be a um you know, synergy between your smartphone and yeah. and the BlackBerry enterprise service. So what what I what I will say is that the Priv has access to a lot of the features on bez 12 that only blackberry 10 devices have yeah so if you run just an android phone in general uh the like bez will will be able to support it but based on blackberry's documentation it's not as comprehensive yeah they they have deeper hooks yeah uh which makes sense right the other thing is that it's fips Mm 140-2 compliant yeah so the cryptographic and the cryptographic libraries that encrypt the phone um, against brute force and 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 other kind of man in the middle attacks, are significantly stronger. But the the reality is that the latest Nexus phones and what Google recommends OEMs encrypt the content on their current devices with is still 256 bit encryption, right?
0: So yeah, but but the whole but the whole reason why people bought Blackberries in the first place is because there are extra layers of security that certain industries whether it be like you know when every time we go to blackberry they talk about their regulated industries have additional requirements for data security and that's what blackberry has always built to so now people can get that on an android phone and not feel like they're missing out on apps or or things like that so Mm -hmm.
1: but but who is that device for because
0: for the same people it was it's for the same people that blackberry was always for before smartphones became a mass consumer device
1: but we, okay, so here's here's the reality right now. The BlackBerry, so BlackBerry sold 800,000 or recognized the revenue from 800,000 phones in the last quarter mm-hmm. with an average sale price of 240 U.S. dollars. So we see the phones like the Leap and the Z10 and the Z30 and cheaper phones. Shovelware. That are going to be thrown at those regulated industries in bulk, um, because of all of those benefits to the BlackBerry uh, ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. But this is a nine hundred dollar phone. Yeah, right. No, you're it's not. You're not, not deploying. You're not
0: deploying the Priv across your enterprise. But you can give the CEOs Privs and deploy the other stuff, right? But that's not enough. It's, it's more than enough. what they've got. Is it's it? I mean, probably I've seen... a better proposition than HTC's. it's at well, least it's just it's at least an underserved market in the android space
1: what the c e o the c e o has an iphone dude you know well the, the, i would say regulated
0: this... industries is an underserved market
1: on android sure but that you know i i think i think we'll we'll obviously see in, in December when they come out with their Q3 results, mm-hmm. whether they actually found success with the Priv. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, it's a 700 US dollar phone. Uh, there's very little carrier support in the US. And mm-hmm. even with significant carrier support in Canada, it's a $400 phone on contract. Yeah. Um, and there are problems with it. It's, you know, just the core functionality is not as robust yes, as you'll I, find. I think you
0: gave the camera a little bit more of a pass than I would for a camera. but
1: I liked it. I think the camera's good but the the reality is that it's the same camera, same module as the Moto X Play. And the Moto X Play is a $400 phone.
0: Yeah. Okay. We, we, so, do you want to talk more about the Nexus? Because you you say it's your favorite.
1: Yeah, I, I like the Nexus. I, I've been using the 6P for a while. I think Huawei hit the nail on the head with with its uh, design the size is good the phone is fast it's battery lasts forever the camera's great and it's my favorite android phone i've ever used it's just a fantastic overall device that has very little compromise and and that's kind of my review like it's i i phone hardware is kind of boring now you know there's really not a whole lot of Evolution, iteration, year over year, and we've reached the Well, there's a continued now,
0: iteration, but
1: it's, it's well, even it's the iteration is slowing down. I mean, we've yeah. we've the maturity that you see is such that the six P, as long as it's supported by Google, will last as long as the the five did. You know, we I, I see people still using the Nexus Five two and a half years later. Um. You know, I see people using iPhone four and iPhone fives four or three years later, mm-hmm. and it's because the software is being up. You know, it's it's being kept up to date. Bugs are being fixed.
0: Well, or or any anyone using a 4S or something made a commitment a long time ago to never update their iPhone so that they could keep it functioning the way that they like. <laughs>
1: okay, but what I mean by that is phones now last four years they can last four years they may not be fantastic four years later but there are you know the components inside the phones are not becoming obsolete nearly as quickly oh, yeah. as they no we did to. it
0: phones phones are a commodity we did it full stop like you you're totally right like we've and i wrote this up yesterday the fact that
1: the you know there are devices on the market in Canada right now. One of which is the is the Galaxy S5 Neo, which is essentially a new phone. It was update. It was announced in August of this year, but for all intents and purposes, it's the exact same phone as the Galaxy S5. Samsung swapped out the Qualcomm chip inside of it for a an Exynos chip, but everything else is the same, and they're passing it off as a mid range phone lg's doing the same thing with the g3 they uh once the g4 came out the g3 ca- got removed from the market basically disappeared and then came back as a mid-range phone on flanker brands like kudo and fido and it sells for 400 dollars. yeah so it's it, essentially so a
0: cheaper so they put a cheaper chip in essentially old inventory get scale and and eke out more revenue
1: yeah, and it's it's because those phones, if you buy them today, will last for two, three, four years.
0: Well, it's it's it, like it, to be honest, it's it's a it's a slight variation on Apple's product strategy, where you know
1: they. Oh, it's it, they, it is exactly Apple's strategy. Where where it's they wor- sell and it through works beautifully.
0: older phones as the the lower tier phones, right? What's
1: um, so interesting right now is that if you go to Rogers.com and you go to their bet their Black Friday deals.
0: Mm-hmm. Which we, phone... we posted a, a junk ton of deal information on Bubble Startup Today, right? So if you're looking for the sweet Black Friday, Cyber Monday, hit that up.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to get this pot up on, hopefully on Thursday. So you'll have a, a few days if you haven't seen that post yet. But the first phone that you see on the Black Friday deals isn't the iPhone 6 for 100 bucks or the iPhone 6S for 200 bucks. It's the iPhone 5S for $0, right? People want a free phone. They don't want to spend money on a phone. Hey, five so Rogers, is a dope
0: phone. Got Touch ID. It's
1: it's a good phone. It's not it's not the best phone anymore. But for most people who want a free phone and want to sign up, you know, and don't want to spend anything on a new phone, then it's a great it's a great upgrade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and this is a way for Rogers to sell a crap ton of phones over the Black Friday Cyber Monday weekend. Totes. so what what that says is that, as we cover new devices as the new hotness, for many people, they kind of just want a phone that makes phone calls and you know runs Facebook fairly well and well they wanna, us... they
0: want a phone at their price range, and now the phones at their price range are no longer embarrassing phones but just older versions of great phones
1: well, they were they're
0: versions of great phones that are older, yeah so then so then uh. Well, when we were talking about what to talk about on the the pod, there have been some newer ideas in terms of hardware and some things that have come out. Do we want to do we want to talk about what's exciting us in terms of what's been released? Totally. Um, You know, I'm looking I'm looking here at because apparently laptops are out. Laptops are shit and tablets are cool and tablet tops are even cooler than tablets.
1: Tablet tops. That's uh, That rolls off the tongue. The tabletop. So I think the reality is that nobody's going to be giving up their laptop for an iPad Pro unless they have thought about how to give up a bunch of the functionality that they take for granted on their laptop. But what I posited in the iPad Pro review is that you can get about 90% of the way there today, and that with updates... You'll probably get 95% of the way there. Uh, it depends what you do. But the iPad Pro is a very, very powerful product. So what are you getting back for what you give up then? Battery. You give, you get a ton of battery. You get like two days of battery. You get like 18 hours of
0: use from this thing. Mm, it's insane. Really? Because my Haswell MacBook Air has got battery for days. No, it doesn't. It has battery for hours same battery life as the pro are you kidding me i got 11 to 13 on this thing son sure you do now that's not while doing uh video editing or any processor intensive stuff that's me in a in a word editor and obviously the pro is designed to be a content creation tool for sure um but i think i think when it comes to stuff like this people get really caught up in like the whole keyboard hybridy thing and what i'm more interested in is the construction of workflow and i was actually just doing some mentorship with a startup earlier today right before we recorded where they're building a product their their little software tool is a chrome extension and it's it's just about helping teams be more productive and the reason why they chose the browser and an extension To do that rather than an app is because from a desktop environment, the vast majority of people live and work in the browser. Mm -hmm. All their services are browser tabs, even if they Mm -hmm. also come as apps. Um, When it comes to uh, hardcore content creators uh, on desktop, so video production, animation, enterprise stuff, usually super app based. The iPad Pro is powerful enough to run those apps, runs them beautifully, and has a super sensitive touch interface for it um, with a ridiculously named product that is fairly expensive, Um, but, you know, at a professional grade. Uh, So the problem with that is the types of software normally run by those people doesn't really relate well to an app store model when it's usually... uh, Subscription fees, or like three hundred dollars upfront—that does Absolutely. not work in an app store where that incentivizes a race to the bro- bottom for pricing. One hundred percent, and and I so or even I, continuous I... updates that that have to be faster than uh, what you know an intermediary approval system, or you know the the idea that uh, oh the enterprise software that we rely on uh, has a bug in it. And we can't get an update for it because the app store is a code freeze <laughs> and they mm-hmm. didn't get their update yeah. in, in time or something.
1: Right. And it's Thanksgiving and, and the App yeah. Store team is, is, is eating turkey, so just they can't fix our they can't approve our bug fix. Counting their money. Totally. So yeah, I, I agree. The iPad Pro is full of potential that is let down by the App Store model. Um, what I will say is that there are some examples of successful products, um, notably by Adobe. And Adobe actually set, they, they laid mm-hmm. the foundation for a successful iPad model with its creative cloud by allowing you to spend $99 a year for all of its products. And you can access them on the desktop, on your smartphone, and on an iPad. And each of those screens gives you something a little bit different. So the products that they've developed for the iPad Pro are wholly optimized for the pencil. They are incredibly versatile as sort of blank screens that you can use to create whatever you want. Uh, But at the end of the day, most, I think, professionals, if we use the term, uh, would start or end on the iPad Pro. The middle is not going to be done on the iPad Pro, right? They're going to create something on the desktop and then give it a little bit of a massage with the pencil. And I think that, you know, Ah. that kind of applies to the model in general, right? Like I can, you know, one of the biggest... One of the strangest oversights with the iPad Pro is that you can't, or with iOS 9 in general, is that you can't use two Safari browsers side-by-side. Side. So, you know, with the iPad Pro, you have this enormous 12.9-inch screen. You got a, you know, a, a very fast processor, four gigs of RAM. But well, you can't have two well, browsers here, tabs But, but side so by but side But here's, side.
0: Again, here's the, again, the break, right? Where, in this professional environment where sometimes you require apps. Um, the web still rules, but now you're running it on a mobile platform that, for years, has disincentivized the web in favor of apps, which is how Apple makes money. Yeah. So you're we're like at the uh, the singularity point of desktop and mobile OS overlap with these hybrid devices, and you know Microsoft is like basically giving you a desktop os on mobile hardware and then apple is giving you a mobile os on a super powerful like desktop hardware
1: well yeah so
0: and that creates all these sorts of conflicts
1: yeah i agree you know i rely on dropbox for a lot of my stuff and one of the main frustrations was the lack of a taskbar? I mean, I know this sounds weird, but the iPad Pro doesn't have a taskbar, so you can't. Um, I can't drag and drop things like I. A lot of what I do is I take images from the web and then I I drag them into into a folder on the taskbar mm-hmm. and then use that folder to then you know upload stuff back to our CMS just, just or auto
0: sync. Yeah, 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 totally. All you know, those little that, that, those background TV, processes. Yeah. The reasons why it people takes have no time
1: and it's yeah it takes no time at all and it's one it's very intuitive and on the iPad I found it possible to do that even in a web browser we use WordPress as our backend mm-hmm. for mobile syrup and it's optimized for the iPad you can upload photos and you can access files from iCloud drive if you need to but it's so cumbersome especially since there is very little keyboard support yeah. built into iOS 9. So, yeah. so a lot like of if you want to read I've...
0: like a like German, not German, uh Gruber. Gruber went went long and deep on all the ways in which uh, iOS does not support keyboards in the way that the desktop does. And I don't want to talk about keyboards anymore because we've already talked about like BlackBerry was our keyboard fill of the day. Uh, this keyboard conversation brought to you by BlackBerry Privilege and Privacy. Um, money money but it's just another example of this overlap where you know there was an obvious use case for mobile smartphones uh smaller tablets there was a uh readily or not a readily apparent but uh initially grasped upon grasp grasped upon use case for uh lean back on your lap sit back consuming content and now we're getting to the point where they're trying to Further stratify their hardware products, and I think it, it's just it's just messy. Because because you know all of this, all of the things that we've identified uh, can be solved by people like Adobe and Dropbox releasing um, new versions of their apps to support the Pro in a different for its specific use case, and then Apple updating iOS to kind of support that stuff problem is the pro is obviously a niche device so why are you going to build a custom version of your app that only five million people might use versus where like the previous benefit of ios and apple products is that generally as long as you're supporting the right os version it's working on all devices and there might be some minor scaling issues as they've uh You know, once they got to the, um, I guess, the iPhone six level, like that's when screen resolutions and things kind of became a little bit more tricky than like one screen size, easy to use. But now, now we're really talking about oh man, I have to build software specifically for the pro, for it to be useful. But most most of my customer base won't be using the pro, so am I going to invest the money in that? It's like yeah. Apple's just created its own like niche market issue that you know, uh Samsung has when it's tr- trying to use push Tizen or its platforms or things like that. Like
1: Well, I mean, Apple's benefited from scale with the App Store and it's it's really it's worked in Apple's favor for years because for most developers it's the only place that they can make money. Yes. You know, Android is has always been seen as the second fiddle, the place that oh, okay, we already have an, a mature iOS product. Let's um, let's port it to Android, mm-hmm. and and the bigger companies obviously have a very robust Android strategy, and a lot of companies that that have premium subscription tiers like Evernote or. To uh, todoist mm-hmm. or dropbox these companies they were yeah. they require android apps yeah, because be their monetization
0: comes from their ubiquity and the subscriber not specific app downloads
1: but totally and the adobe model is the same but when you when you look at as you said these kind of small indie developers you know apple's created a market where they have to price their their apps low and they can't They cannot release paid upgrades. But but
0: I don't even know if it's small indie developers. Like, what incentive do some of the major developers have to really make pro products if they're not sure that their customers are there? Just because it's Apple? Like, you know, Apple has benefited from scale uh, or, like, network effects for a very long time. And I think maybe they might take for granted that that's just going to naturally happen because it's Apple's ecosystem. And I think, you know, to keep pushing this conversation forward, another example of this is with the Apple TV which is yeah, I, I wanted to talk about that. Basically, was... basically running iOS, like tvOS is like, what, they said 95% um, iOS, with one major difference is that the way that it handles <laughs> the actual applications radically changes whether or not developers want to support the platform and not only the, uh, I guess, the way that they're packaged, um, and then the initial download requirements, the way that the device handles... Um, App information is, is so radically different from everything on, that Apple has done so far with uh, iOS mm-hmm. that a, a game that would works perfectly well on uh, a tablet or an iPhone, you might not see ported to Apple TV. That would work perfectly well on Apple TV because it's not worth the time and the attention to put in the effort to get it up there unless Apple sells a junk ton of Apple TVs. So uh, I, I really... Um, like, I've been, I've been thinking a lot
1: about this, and uh, Apple sort of developed this app-thinning model mm-hmm. for Apple TV, uh, which basically allows developers to create versions of the app that are optimized specifically for one device... But they've also created something called on-demand resources. Mm-hmm. And on-demand resources forces developers to only give users a smaller upfront download. So they've limited upfront downloads on the Apple TV to 200 megs. And then they will download assets as needed. Up to 2 gigabytes. Right. right. So up, up to 2 gigabytes. And, and they can do that as many times as they want. Here's the problem with that. In the U.S., unlimited bandwidth is common on bigger companies. I mean... We, we know how many people hate Comcast and Time Warner Cable, but up until recently, Comcast's entire uh, portfolio of high-speed internet packages came with unlimited data, mm-hmm. whereas in Canada, that is very different. And there's a big reseller of, of Rogers and, and and Bell called Tech Savvy, and they're just one example that I know of in Ontario. Shout out TechSavvy! That, that's a great company, but they limit you to 400 gigs on their main package, and it's inexpensive and it's great, but they only allow unlimited downloads between 2 and 8 a.m., which is crazy if you think about it because if you are going to be pushing the type of app development where you can only download large swaths of data and files um, at a time where most people are going to be asleep... And every other time of the day when somebody's likely playing a game that you know has
0: a yeah. a, a few gigabytes of download, they're going to be worrying about their data usage yeah well so not this only, is not yeah friendly well it's two things you're not only are you constantly downloading assets which can really take up the bandwidth of your home network but you're constantly re-downloading assets because uh, the Apple TV will just if you haven't used something in a while it'll just get rid of it. So maybe if you even if you only use like a certain few games and you have Netflix and, and things like that uh, and it's you have a regular use, you might be continuously redownloading the same things over and over again. So even if you're wary about what you what uh, not what you download, but I guess what things you install into the mm-hmm. Apple TV, you could go way over your data cap just by like using it. So um, I'm a, t- a tech savvy customer. I have yet to get a notification from TechSavvy saying, holy crap, you just bought an Apple TV and we need to have a talk about what your price plan is. But I could, I could for, for game heavy users, I could totally see that being the case. Um, mm-hmm. ah, there was another thing I want to talk about the, Oh, and then also the, I think what we found out, uh shout out Renee Ritchie in his just intensive Apple TV review. Um, The Apple TV doesn't support uh, gigabit Ethernet, right? Yeah. So you're also continuously instead of like kind of like downloading an asset and like having it and never having to worry. Every time I launch Transistor, I gotta wait for it to load, Um, which gets me to another problem, which is that these these apps that are good that I know that I want to use these games, kind of suck on the Apple TV right now. I haven't seen a lot of content release that i really want to consume um either because it's taking developers some time to to refactor their code to support app thinning and, and the process uh or maybe they're playing a wait and see or because they're not going to support it or because they're just bad like transistor crashes all the time every time i load uh transistor i have to i or every time i, I launch transistor i have to watch a loading screen and i know it's redownloading assets I'm basically watching the game reinstall every time I launch it. And the intention of app thinning and this whole process was for a lean back TV experience. Basically, when you click on something, it's there instantly. Like if if you want to watch a TV show on Apple TV or things like that, it's super fast because it can just it can just pre buffer the content. But when you're like playing games and launching games, why am I watching a download screen all of a sudden? How is that better than the previous experience?
1: Yeah, I mean, I w- it's 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 really interesting. Like, I I have a new Apple TV, and I like it, but it's one of those things where you have to have lower expectations. They have to go into it with lower expectations um, than I I think I I hoped for because because the content's up there. I've heard, yeah, I've heard the 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 fact that like. I mean I I got it a while after the reviews came out but I I heard the words dumpster fire used more than once to describe how the Apple TV's um experience has been for a lot of people and a lot of my friends have said that it's it's the best set top box you can buy today but that bar was pretty low to begin with Yes and where the Apple TV benefits from the ecosystem that Apple has laid the foundations for of the last seven years it's completely let down by the input the fact that the, there's no remote app you can't use your iphone to input text the input of text on the tv itself with the siri remote is just awful it's just yeah. a really really slow experience um and the as you alluded the apple you know the ecosystem that people take for granted on the iphone and ipad is just not there yet on the apple tv um, there are a few gems. Uh, shout out uh, uh, Snowman, um, who created our, um, Alto's Adventure, one of the best mobile games ever. Got ported absolutely beautifully to the Apple TV. I highly recommend you use it. Badland also got ported really well to the Apple TV. Uh, there's a bunch of other games. I, I haven't had Do the these same games problems require with...
0: a controller. No, they
1: don't. And these are these are um, these are. Well, no games. Infinite no
0: games require a controller, but do they really... benefit from a controller? No, they
1: don't. So these are um, all these are in, infinite running games uh, in the sense that uh. you don't actually do anything to move the the protagonist forward. You just move him or her up or down uh, with a click. So it's super simple, but because of that, the the games are designed in such a way that they're still really fun, and they're they're actually fun because they're so simple so i don't want I to play it.
0: mobile games on my apple tv i want to play casual games and honestly old like 16-bit system games like not not triple a 3d action titles but the old old streamlined like gameplay focus games on my apple right, tv like Mega Man. and i'm and i'm not seeing that yet not yet And I guess I thought it would be a lot quicker. I'm not sure why this is happening, but, you know, control, again, is an issue where I think Apple went back on uh, initially saying that you wouldn't have to support the Siri remote and then saying it was a requirement. So multiple control uh, schemes schemes for games, which isn't that big of a deal. Like, to be honest, any, any PC developer is completely used to that. And even most console games have um remapping of controls but even a thing uh, and I'm going to harp on transistor again because I think this is an example of like you know I have an Xbox 360 I didn't upgrade to uh next generation systems because I don't have the time to invest in triple A titles but I love Xbox Live arcade games and I played the crap out of bastion on my 360 and right. the ability to, uh, and transistor didn't come out on 360 because they kind of moved on to the new generation it doesn't require like the power of a new console it's just that's where the market is and I was super excited to play it. And playing it with that Siri remote is brutal. Um, Does it support um,
1: tilt controls, or is it all just swipes and presses it's, on it's the all, Siri remote? It's all remote?
0: swipes and presses, but in a way, the way that they could have done it, which would have been uh, turning, and people who are only listening to this, but if you can imagine turning the um, portrait uh, Siri remote landscape. So you're using the swipe screen as a digital pad and then the buttons as like uh, a B on like I think a old school Nintendo controller would have been great. But having to use it in one hand, I'm always accidentally calling up uh, Siri when I'm trying to push the buttons like it it, it doesn't it doesn't work one handed. It's they're not using it like a, uh, a controller, like an old school controller, and they're not using it like a Wii remote. And it's super frustrating, you know, so beyond the fact that the game crashes every 20 minutes um, and I have to watch it re, re-download assets, it's it's like, I'm also, I guess, need to get a controller to play these games, which is okay, except for the fact that there aren't, I'm not going to buy a controller to play mobile games. I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy a controller to play Temple Run.
1: Yeah, and, and you, I think the Apple TV needs a hero product for that controller. It needs something to to tell people, you know, it needs a call of duty, essentially something to say. Yeah. Uh, and that, and know, that call of duty could be mega man Two. It could like, be. I mean, that's, that's the irony is that this would be such a great, uh, yeah. what Nintendo kind of failed to do with the Wii and the Wii U mm-hmm. in, in bringing back, you know, it's older 16 and eight bit games. There
0: were some releases on the Wii store, where you could play legit games. The pricing model was a little suspect, but the the inventory was pretty good for classic Nintendo games. Uh, the problem was it it didn't have anything like uh, Xbox Live Arcade or what Sony was doing with indie game developers releasing stuff. So yeah. like you know like if I have an Apple TV that allows me to watch Netflix, TV, um, Center Ice, and then I can play games like Fez, Shovel Knight final fantasy two and like some fun like multiplayer crossy road ah that's exactly what i want on my sitting in front of like my home tv and but here's the thing i mean you know
1: we just we just talked about um you know hd systems and and how it doesn't really make a big difference when you have an xbox or a playstation already connected to your to your receiver you know the the whole idea of like Yes, Apple should be your your input one. It should be the main console you use for most things because it's got Netflix, it's got games, it's got um, NHL Game Center, it's got blah blah. Uh, but the reality is that there's still going to be reasons, f- it, you know, in perpetuity to to switch over to your Xbox and to your PlayStation, and and your Wii. And if like it's so easy to play Mega Man Two on another on another console then why are we why are we insisting that apple goes there why well, are we the, insisting that developers go there because
0: the promise is that they for the for the the last 3 console generations people have been buying or i guess last 2 console generations people have been buying hardcore video game consoles actually even even since the PlayStation 2 which was for a time, the cheapest way to get a DVD player when DVD players were just coming out. Like, hey, you could buy a DVD player for like 200 bucks or 250 bucks, or you could spend 300 bucks and get a DVD player that plays games. People have been using their dedicated video game system as a way to do more broad consumer multimedia entertainment fun stuff, which is why when the Wii came out, it was the perfect price point, and everyone picked it up. It just wasn't sustainable. Like The promise of the Apple TV is, you know, a better Wii. A Wii with all the sure. benefits of Apple across all forms of media, not just gaming. Um, right. And I guess, you so, know, it's been out for a month. It's just, I guess we're accustomed in the Apple environment, the iOS environment, to have that network effect. And I'm wondering this is what the fourth or fifth generation Apple TV to come out. I'm wondering, I thought this was the right time to get in on Apple TV. I'm wondering if next year's model is the right time or if it's going to be a year before this really has the content to justify.
1: But I mean, so the promise of the Apple TV before it was actually released was this, you know, invisible, Con, you know, tv streaming service that's been promised from from eddie q or at least ostensibly promised from eddie q for for, for a year now and it's going to happen right it, it, there have been enough proven leaks to to show that there is um you know there are talks between apple and and the content providers and the networks mm-hmm. but is that going to be and i i mean i'm I'm looking right now on Amazon. It's Black Friday. Uh they're selling the PlayStation four five hundred gigabyte hardware bundle with the Nation Drake collection for three hundred and seventy dollars, okay?
0: So this is so that's a seventy dollars fairly... more than what I paid for the Apple T V.
1: Well, the yeah, so it's not that I mean it's it's more
0: than seventy, right? It's well, one my, my final the final price for my Apple T V with shipping. Or no shipping was so I bought the 250 Apple TV plus tax or whatever. It came out to like $309. Right.
1: So the Apple TV, 32 gig is $199. The 64 gig is $269. So yeah. assuming most people choose it's $269, it's, that's $309. That's 100, that's $100 before tax difference between this little set-top box and a full-on console. And I mean, a lot of people... Have been making that same argument about the iPad versus a laptop. Mm-hmm. They, why would you spend the same on an iPad Pro when you can get a full quote unquote desktop computer for um, for the same price? And it's going to take that ecosystem of content and apps to convince people switching over from an you know a, a laptop to an iPad Pro, and it's going to take that same commitment from Apple to get that content onto the Apple TV to convince people that it's totally. both a television replacement yes. or a cable box replacement and a console replacement, or even if it augments those things, yeah. whether it's worth
0: $270 totally, the, because the, the belief is right predicated, now. I don't think it is. Yeah. The, it's, it's predicated on the belief that Apple will do what it does when it comes to this stuff so that you don't have to buy a game console to be your media set top box. Which is what tech savvy people have been doing, or uh, for since PlayStation Two, since they could use it as a DVD player. Because if if I'm gonna if I have the choice between, you know, I'm gonna, I want to buy my parents something. They just want to watch. They want to get their iTunes. show, They just want to get all their shows. They want to get Netflix and some other shows, and and that's it. Uh, I'm definitely gonna buy them an Apple TV or a set top box, a simplified system, over a game console. Like PlayStation 4's UI compared to Apple TV's UI, <laughs> much easier yeah, for the broad consumer to navigate. They don't 100% they don't need day. all that ad- sometimes you pay for the simplicity of not needing all that additional stuff. But that means that the content has to be there. Um and I've I've been pretty happy with the way Siri works and the, the navigation in the UI, but being more digitally savvy and, and the person who's looking to consume a lot of different types of content, it's just it's it's not really there for me. Um but I know a lot of olds that a lot of olds per- that
1: choose to buy Xboxes and PlayStation's to play you know NF- NFL 16 or or you know NBA Live whatever or just to get a racing game that they enjoyed you know in yeah. their So they have their, their 1 games.
0: hardcore
1: game and then they use it for general stuff right and And I'm looking at the list of entertainment apps. You know you have Netflix, you have YouTube in the US. you have Amazon and HBO Go and Dish and Voodoo and MLB TV. Mm-hmm. But you also have things like Plex. and Plex is you know one of those one of those call of duty like hero apps for the Apple for for the Apple TV that was released a few days after uh, the console or the uh, the setup box came out and people love Plex, but mm-hmm. Plex is not hard to get a hold of. It's kind of like Netflix in the sense that it's pretty much everywhere. Yeah. And if you have a Plex server, you can find it on most screens. So, you know, I'm thinking the value proposition of the of the Apple TV right now is is unclear.
0: Well, me. I do I, we do get the you do get the iTunes store, right? So, the easiest way for me uh as a Canadian without a cable subscription to watch the most recent episodes of TV shows that have just come out is to buy a season pass on Apple TV. Right. Right? So, But you can do the same on PlayStation TV. Well, so this is where, though, the support gets iffy. Because, you know, prior to buying the Apple TV, I used my Xbox 360 for three things. I played the crap out of Destiny. I watched uh, all the content I could on Netflix. And when it wasn't on Netflix, I'd have to go into the (laughs) Xbox store. And the Xbox mm-hmm. store is very hit and miss. It doesn't have. Um, it was better for movies than it was for TV shows. Um, that might be different in the United States, but like so then. Then again, it's because I'm relying on a game console to secure all the uh, media rights to TV shows and movies, which is something that Apple should be able to do better than Xbox or Microsoft or Sony, um, or at least put more attention into.
1: But not necessarily Sony. Right, because Sony does have that content; it owns a lot of the content. From well, it owns a lot of Sony content, side. but yeah. But, and it's not—I mean, it's it's not necessarily comprehensive. But what Sony does have is it has a fairly mature ecosystem of it. It, it has that um, that content store where you can buy movies and rent movies and buy TV and rent TV and totally. iTunes is certainly better yes. there's no question no, no, yeah. and Canadians don't have access to Amazon so we don't have Prime TV and things like that yeah. um,
0: so we're not really missing out on Amazon's refusal to support because they don't support Canada in the first place um you know although I will say like the one thing that really the the, the problem with this stuff is like you know being a Canadian the fact that Bell basically bought HBO content until the end of time uh means that if I want to watch that stuff, I have to go through Bell or I have to pay for it on iTunes a year after for a hefty price. Like purchasing TV is really expensive depending on what you're watching. Yeah. Um and my girlfriend and I as as kind of like new new buyers for this stuff have had have been trying to figure out what the equation is for the the TV we're willing to pay for. Like, you know, 10 episode run Mr. Robot for like 18 bucks hells yeah sign us up uh we just did the jonathan strange and mr norell the bbc miniseries was pretty cheap great i want to watch the new season of game of thrones that is mad expensive my god it's like 40 bucks for a season if if if, if we haven't watched a show are we going to put 200 dollars in to just watch one tv show or like hey maybe we but just that's like the family price guy? of a dvd i know it's it's DVD pricing in a in a non DVD age because I do not own that stuff. But but it's not it's it's not a non DVD age.
1: It's you're 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 looking at it from the perspective of so, so
0: Daniel. Directly above me are the two hundred DVDs for uh, a complete season of Lost or complete uh, series of Lost, a bunch of different movies and some other TV shows. First couple seasons of Mad Men before they started appearing on Netflix. Uh, my girlfriend just moved in. I'm going to get rid of that stuff, make some room, and make some of my investment back on that media I consumed. So I'm going to go sell that. How do I do that on iTunes?
1: Well, you, you can't, but you're not going to make a lot of money selling those that media. And that that media is going to get—the value of that media is going to go down, uh, in- increasingly decrease, uh that's a terrible way of okay. putting it. It's going okay. to decrease even faster the longer you
0: Hey, do you want to borrow my copy it. of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? I'll bring it to the office tomorrow. Um, do you want to borrow... I don't have anything to watch it on. That's the other thing. Well, okay. Do you want to borrow my digital copy? You have an Xbox. You can watch on that. Do you want to borrow my digital copy of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly? Here, let me give you my login information for my iTunes account because I don't Thanks, have buddy. sharing rights. Like... There, there is still that, you know, again, we've had this conversation before, usually around music, but like owning media is way better than renting media, especially when uh, shows that I've watched and enjoyed or movies that I've watched and enjoyed on Netflix or maybe wanted to watch aren't there anymore because the licensing agreements disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, all of a sudden it's like a, you know, a, a million voices crying out in pain across the universe as Doctor Who is removed from Netflix in Canada or
1: or on another tack audio your favorite my favorite streaming service disappears and you're left with nothing to show for it all of your all yeah. of that data that they've been accruing over the over the years to make your recommendations more accurate to give you to to you know allow you to follow your friends and to all build your, these social graphs within the network they are completely gone yeah. So what do I have to show for spending hundreds of dollars on audio
0: over the last three years? But my stack of CDs can play at any time. It's pretty great, man. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna listen to... to some '90s can rock after this. Great. So go ahead and
1: put the CD you want to listen to on your on your phone into your CDR drive or whatever, and then and then rip it. And then turn it into MP3s, and then put it on your phone. Oh wait, you have nothing that can do that anymore.
0: Uh, you yeah, don't it, have a computer. I literally have a CDR over by my desk, and I have iTunes. You, uh, you don't have a computer that can read it, or
1: very few people. I'm running off. Of it. it's, I mean,
0: it's, it's 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 like it's it's literally like twenty bucks to. And yes, I did have to go get an optical drive to plug it into my MacBook Air, but hey, yeah. it gives me the benefit of <laughs> owning my media, and. I have a lot of storage on my laptop, I have a lot of storage on my my phone. And uh it's always there. Right. You you can do this.
1: You have taken the time to do this. You as somebody who lives yes, there is a time 200 DVDs.
0: Well, but I also I'm saying, but it's also the reason why I buy music off of iTunes. Too, right.
1: Right. But there okay, so there was a reason that BuzzFeed wrote an article called So you bought the Adele CD, here's how to play it. And yes, it was it was tongue-in-cheek. But the reality is that because Adele is not streaming her, her CD on any service, people are going to have to go out and buy the CDs for the first time in years. Yeah. And many of them, many of the teens, have nothing to play it on. Don't even know
0: what a They're CD gonna is. They're going to have to ask
1: their parents, what the hell do I do with this thing? Yeah. And the reality is that you get a digital download code when you buy her CD. So it's actually a better deal to go to Walmart and spend 10 bucks on her CD and then download the MP3s from some DRM filled website then actually go onto iTunes and spend 14 bucks on it.
0: Well, so, that's 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 back to the problem then.
1: Just like I'm not disagreeing with you. I like physical media, but I also I don't think that I don't think that the, well, there's, there's anything solved by Apple still like Apple's App Store on the Apple TV is not doesn't solve any of the problems
0: that it it sought out to ostensibly solve Well, because it doesn't own the media because it doesn't being, own... being a gateway to media doesn't solve the problems that is inherent to media in the 21st century and and you that know, will continue to be a problem yeah and we're, we're talking about two things There's a difference between, you know just the physical media and digital media and then owning the media and paying a license to own the media um and you know in my mind the physical media. I'm like, I'm just surrounded by paper books. Like the physical media that I own provides me the versatility that I need. Um, And
1: just, just to be clear, Adele's new album costs $11
0: Canadian. Yeah. Which is, which is a great price for an album. If you really like Adele, like that's not, you know, it's a generation of people just decided that they didn't want to pay for media anymore. And now things seem expensive relative to their actual value. Um, but it's it's not really true. Um, I mean,
1: there, there's an argument to be made that, like, the App Store model, uh, which pushes prices down, has had a similar effect on the way that people perceive content from, like, artists. So, you know, why should I spend $11 on a CD from iTunes when I can buy an app for 99 cents?
0: Well, but I know or, that or they when, don't
1: correlate necessarily, but the idea of spending $11 on something that has no actual physical um, presence is, is lost on a lot of people.
0: Well, but I, I think I, you're, kind of, you're halfway there, I don't, but I don't think it's the app comparison. I, I think it's the initial way that iTunes was set up is like, why would I pay $11 for the album when I only want these three tracks and I can buy them for $3? And then once you're used to only buying individual tracks why don't I just sign up for this service that has all the tracks that I want and that I don't care about albums anymore? Right, but the tracks themselves... I mean, I, so as as much as the
1: iTunes store opened up the idea of the single and being able to buy whatever tracks you wanted, they're still heavily incentivizing the purchase of an entire album, right? Because oh, you too, can buy... Yeah. You know, I can buy Hello and Send You My Love or whatever. I miss like the first three songs on Adele's album costs half of the entire 11 song yeah
0: totally and 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 even even with the dvd pricing they're still to a certain degree when it comes to the tv shows incentivizing getting the full season versus a la carte although they do a cool thing where um if you say if you've bought like the first two episodes of a show to see if you like it and you do and you buy the season pass they deduct the price that you've paid to the full price which is something that i appreciate um so you're not, like, repaying for the stuff that you already bought. Right. Um,
1: not to mention the fact that with Apple Music now integrated into iTunes, when you, quote-unquote, own a CD, it doesn't differentiate anymore between the content that you own and the content that you're subscribing to on Apple Music.
0: Well, yeah. Okay, let's let's not even get into the, the giant cluster cuss that is integrating a streaming music service over top of a a digital media file storage system and the issues that that has happened in in blending which it invariably would um but like just you know to be more poignant of it i'm talking about how i like buying stuff buying music that i really want on itunes or getting it on vinyl in the digital Copy or a, a physical book. I bought two physical books yesterday in Eaton Center just because I was like, "Hey, I want. I like. I like that TV show that I bought on iTunes. I want to read the seven hundred page book." Um, I've I signed up for Apple Music and I don't think I've used it for the past two months, and that just cost me twenty dollars. And like, not only have I like forgotten about Apple Music, I kind of forgot I was paying for it. Well,
1: You got to read your credit card statements.
0: Oh, that way leads to madness, <laughs> sir. We don't read them. We just ignore them and change address once a year. So they can't. Find so, I mean,
1: we we've kind of um, gone a little bit long based on the topics that we wanted to talk about. Uh, we wanted to get to a, a few more things today that I, I think we'll we'll leave for next week. Um, and Wait, we're going to uh,
0: podcast every week. That sounds crazy.
1: Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we're gonna promise anything because I think the last time I actually did that, we didn't pod for another month. But I do wanna. I, I do wanna say that next week we're gonna have um, our dear friend Amanda Costco on the show to talk about the state of wearables.
0: Sweet.
1: Um, and Amanda is uh, a, a great person, and the. Uh, I, I guess she's the owner slash progenitor of Electric Runway, which founder? covers fashion. Check founder. Yeah. Um, CEO, uh, VIP. Of uh, electric runway, which is a uh, a company that that kind of takes part in slash covers the emerging fashion and tech world and how they're converging. So uh, she'll be on uh, next Friday, and uh, we are we are very happy to have her. But uh, we're we're also going to talk uh, in in the spirit of wearables about Apple Pay and about uh, how it works on the Apple Watch and a few other things. So uh, we're going to leave it there for today. Uh, if you if you listen thank you so much for being here uh Douglas we, we we don't do this enough uh where where can people find you on the
0: internet uh people can find me at tron tron uh just just flaming hot tweets all day uh mostly retweets uh of kit BetaKit content com, where we're covering uh canadian startups and tech innovation the uh, the scenes behind the scenes of canadian tech
1: all the hotness You guys have been killing it lately.
0: Kyle Lowry, player of the month. Book it.
1: My name is Daniel Bader. You can find me on Twitter at JourneyDanMobileSyrup.com. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week. Shout out Jeff Broussard,
0: and it feels so good. Planning for your next trip?